Welcome to We The Union. This is episode 10. I'm your host, Daisha. Thank you for joining us today. First off, I want to say happy Father's Day to all of the union dads out there. Father's Day was a few days ago, so shout out to all of the hardworking dads out there. Um, I also want to give a huge shout out to AFSME Local 575 member. Um, AFSME International recently released their list of family scholarship winners. Um, so shout out to you. That is awesome. And hopefully your family member that won will put it to good use. And yeah, so that's all for the intro today. Let's get on to the interview. Today I am joined by someone from AFSME International, my first guest from AFSME International. Um, can you start by introducing yourself? Yes. Hello. My name is Mike Sukel. I'm the Director of Organizing and Field Services for AFSME. And um, it's a pleasure to be here today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for being here. How long have you been with AFSME International? I've been with AFSME for 20 years this April, and uh, wow. I've been an organizer for 30 years. Prior to that, I, I started with the Steelworkers Union, and um, I came to AFSME um, uh, when AFSME, shortly after AFSME, moved to uh, uh, a more robust organizing program and to build the organizing program. So it's been here for the last 20 years. Wow, congrats. Very long career. That's good. Okay. Um, so, you know, organizing is very, I would say, vast, right? It's across multiple industries. So it's not just the labor movement that involves organizing. It's kind of everywhere. So I think everybody in organizing can agree that the pandemic threw things off, right? It just was not the best scenario for organizing. Um, so can you talk a little bit about what it's been like running an organizing program during a pandemic? Yes, insane. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think the hardest thing uh, about organizing, no matter, uh, no matter what, um, what we're organizing is the sense of isolation that we often feel in our communities now. And I think uh, particularly for, uh, for workplace organizing, um, the, you know, the ask me model and the, you know, the uh, thing we really try and do is to build, uh, build connections in the workplace and make sure workers are building their own organization. This is not a top down thing and come, coming together and um, building their leadership and um, determining for themselves what their priorities are and what, you know, what uh, issues they want to um, uh, want to confront and, and fix. So the pandemic certainly uh, highlighted and created many issues that that working people had to deal with, but the sense of isolation just went off the charts as well because we all, uh, many were isolated, uh, even those who, many, many ASME members who uh, were essential workers and still had to go to work, um, were still isolated in the sense of social distancing and, and everything that came came with that. So, you know, I think the biggest challenge from my perspective was um, figuring out how to overcome that and continue to bring workers together to, uh, to, uh, to um, build their own organization to take on the, the things they wanted to take on. Right. And so what have been some of the like sectors of work that you guys have managed to organize? Because obviously organizing is still happening. Um, and I know that a lot of 
councils have been successful. Um, so what are some of the sectors you guys have been kind of you know, working on and how have you managed to success successfully organize those groups during yeah, the pandemic? Yeah, I might add one thing that we did uh, that I think was important that we had a structure in place prior to the pandemic that we you know, sort of um, uh, re-engaged uh, in a very serious way as soon as the pandemic hit. So, the, so AFSCME uh, went through a process um, uh, in the last uh, decade or so um, of a program called AFSCME Strong, where um, President Saunders in 2014 brought together leaders from across the union. We were seeing attacks uh, all across the union. Uh, one that comes to mind for most folks is Scott Walker in Wisconsin and uh, the devastation that he created there by attacking workers and, and, their, and their rights there. Um, so through that process, we had uh, an Ask Me Strong structure where Ask Me affiliates, um, both leaders and staff and, and um, local leaders uh, were already joined together and had you know, the opportunity to come together to share best practices. Um, so we quickly put that structure in place and we had, um, you know, organizing leadership from across the union come together via Zoom like everyone else, but really talk about, you know, how we continue to move um, organizing campaigns. And I think, um, you know, I think as far as the industries go, um, it really is the same. Uh, the same focus that that we had coming prior to the pandemic, you know, I think um, AFSCME members, whether they're um, employed in the public service or the in the public sector, or the private sector, really, you know, are delivering public services um, that that uh, that we all need out there every day. So whether it be in hospitals and healthcare, we've had some success there since the pandemic. Uh, we've had success in behavioral health um, settings, which is uh, we have or engaged in a national campaign um, on that front uh, for some time prior to the pandemic. Um, uh, the, we have uh, Cultural Workers United, which you there at Council 36 were uh, also involved in, um, and in some ways in the, really in the front end of creating that movement or, or uh, engaging that movement with the, the fight uh, at the Marciano Arts Foundation and the mm -hmm. organizing done. Um, uh, so we've seen a lot of progress in Cultural Workers United. We we continue to connect um, leaders in museums and libraries across the country, and um, uh, you know did that through Zoom and did that through other means, and um, uh, to to keep that organizing going. So, but you know it um, it has clearly been uh, more difficult, and we're very excited about. Uh, you know, the the idea of now getting back to face-to-face -face organizing, because we know that's, at the end of the day, that's what it's going to take to, even where we won elections and won recognition to build strong locals and, and demand what uh, what workers need. Um, so on the cultural front, um, since the pandemic, um, the Philadelphia Museum of Arts organized, that was, uh, you know, a, uh, 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 that's the Rocky Museum in the, uh, in Philadelphia, as, as folks uh, often uh, recall, and um, uh, they organized, they started their campaign right before the pandemic when the museum shut down and they continued to uh, connect with one another and ended up winning uh, their election by a wide margin. Um, there's uh, uh, the Walker Museum in, in uh, the Twin Cities, workers there organized with AFSCME since the pandemic, um, and a number of libraries have organized the the Hillsborough Library in Oregon just uh, 
just one recognition and the Niles Library in, um, in the Chicagoland area just filed with their employer for, for majority recognition. Um, uh, so I think uh, since the pandemic, uh, nearly 800 workers or so in the cult in cultural institutions have either organized or filed, you know, filed petitions, started campaigns to, uh, to organize with AFSCME. So we've really seen strengthening there. And I think there was an awakening um, you know, given the insecurity, there's always been insecurity in the industry, but given the insecurity with shutdowns and layoffs that uh, they really uh, uh, brought folks uh, to a higher level of activism than they had prior to that. Yeah, I was going to ask, did the pandemic, like, did you see an uptick in people wanting to organize because of the pandemic? I think, um, you know, my perspective is, is that uh, there always, you know, we have a very long history, certainly as long as I've been doing this and for decades before, a very long uh, history of an uh, industry in this country of consultants who try and convince un unorganized workers that they somehow are going to do better by not coming together, but by, by trying to make their own deal with their employer. And, um, you know, and the, the fact of the matter is you just have less power as one worker than uh, than everyone in your workplace coming together um, and exercising some workplace democracy together and, and exercising the power of our collectivism. But um, I think that um, veneer really fell away during the pandemic because even the best intentioned uh, bosses, frontline bosses, frontline supervisors had no power or control in, in the pandemic and it made it clear to uh, a lot of workers that, you know, the, the best way for us to move forward together is to, to organize and, and, um, and take advantage of our collective power. So I would say, yes, I would say, you know, that the pandemic exposed um, the insecurities that were always there, but, uh, but uh, workers really in a, you know, in a um, uh, more intense way, uh, look towards organizing to to uh, make those changes and protect themselves and their families. Yeah, I think it definitely opened a lot of people's eyes, right? It, something that was already, already like underlying at work, the pandemic definitely just exposed it, opened everything wide up and people started to look at some of their bosses a little differently, like, <laughs> wait a minute. So yeah, I definitely you know see that happening a lot. Um, and I think that this, the pandemic has really, brought, I wouldn't say brought, but like some of the stories you hear nowadays that have been happening in the recent months, I think have been caused a little bit by the pandemic. So for example, I always see these photos on social media where somebody will go to a restaurant and there's a sign on the door saying, sorry, we're closed because nobody showed up to work, right? And so you have this thing where a lot of people are saying, hey, this company doesn't really care about me. My bosses don't care about me. And I'm not putting my life at risk for this minimum wage job, which is another issue, right? A separate issue of just them not being paid enough. Um, so kind of what do you think about all of that that's been happening recently with people walking off the job or just not showing up to work because- Yeah, you, yeah you talk about uh, gaining some perspective, huh? You know, I mean, I think that- <laughs> It, it really is what this, you know, what this uh, last year and a half or so has done. And, um, you know, you hear this, this um, 
idea that folks are, you know, that the uh, American recovery plan is is too rich and folks don't want to come back to work. And um, mm-hmm. uh, it really is just, a, you know, a crazy idea. I mean, I think the, the thing we got to remember is there's no uh, there's no such thing as a labor shortage in this country, but there are, um, you know, there are employers who do not are not offering uh, a safe workplace and enough uh, enough pay and um, uh, and what workers need to to come to work and take care of them their families. So I think, uh, as you say, it really did um, expose those situations, and and um, I think collectively, folks are taking a lot uh, closer look at what. Uh, conditions they are willing to settle for, and what they might uh, be, you know, want to do to to make changes. So I think, from my perspective, it's a huge opportunity for us right now. You know, I think it's been the last, um, uh, you know, we've been in a, have been in a decline in terms of standards for working people for a very long time, but I think the last uh, the last uh, four or five years have really, um, you know, have have really heightened that and made, and uh, given the opportunity for uh, folks that take another look even before the pandemic and, and, and uh, organize. It's interesting, you know, I mean, ask me um, since 2018, ask me across the country has one recognition with 50,000 workers across the country um, uh, with their employers. And, you know, so there really was a movement uh, prior to the pandemic mm-hmm. uh, that, that got slowed down in terms of formal recognition, the ability to uh, to connect folks and and um, uh, and organize, but um, you know we see we saw um, uh, workers in in the state of Nevada collectively mm-hmm. come together and pass uh, pass uh, collective bargaining for themselves and their families there. Um, uh, that created collective bargaining rights for twenty thousand workers. They just got their first contract, and there still are a number of. Uh, a number of units there that have not organized yet. They were uh, they were signing up and and uh, building their committees as the pandemic hit. But that first contract is the shows the stark difference between being organized and having a voice and a seat at the table and not uh, being organized. Um, so we're seeing uh, we're seeing you know um, folks continue to organize there uh, across the public sector. You asked earlier in terms of you know what types of workers are organizing, but I also think we've seen a lot of movement in the public sector where uh, we're politically organizing to demand that, which asked me has always had to do historically because uh, because of labor law in this country, you have to state by state, you have to win collective bargaining rights for um, for uh, public sector workers, as you know, unlike unlike the private sector. But, um, uh, you know, we've seen uh, workers in uh, Adams County, Colorado. Uh, 600 human service workers there. They passed an ordinance at their uh, at their county council, and uh, they uh, recently organized with ASME and just won their first contract through the pandemic. They are bargained for that contract and got it done. Um, we're seeing we saw workers in Charles County, um, uh, Maryland, just uh, just uh, got a uh, passed a law to have the right to organize there. They're they're very close to uh, majority status there now. Um, so there are a number of places in Virginia. We just uh, passed a statewide uh, law. Virginia collective bargaining was outlawed in Virginia for public sector workers in the 70s. Um, so for 44 odd years, public sector workers have had no right to come together, even if their employers, whether it be the city or the county, 
um, uh, wanted to provide that right and pass a law, they couldn't do it. Um, so that was overturned and, and uh, collective bargaining was enabled for local governments. Um, we, uh, the city of Alexandria, Virginia passed the first ordinance several weeks ago. And then just last Saturday, we were at the chambers of the Arlington County, um, uh, Virginia uh, government, which was the case that, that outlawed collective bargaining 44 years ago. So it's very exciting. They introduced collective bargaining and workers there are going to exercise their right to organize. So all around the state in Virginia, uh, at cities and counties uh, and school districts, workers are coming together to, uh, to move collective bargaining. Um, so even in these times when it's uh, most difficult and we have tremendous hurdles. It's also very hopeful because folks are standing up and really, um, uh, really taking things on and being active and and uh, and making a difference. So it's very exciting. Yeah, I've read some stories where you can see that there's there's been an, an uptick in like approval of unions. So hopefully we keep going in that direction, and a lot of people will start to kind of wake up in their workplace. Um, but another huge story that has been happening for months now and is gonna to continue to happen is the story about Amazon. We saw recently in Birmingham where they unfortunately uh, failed to unionize. Um, what do you think about that story? And is that something that organizers like discuss when you're coming up with the plans? You look at these other fights that are happening? Oh yeah, it's fair. I mean it's very connected to the the idea that you just raised you know i think um yes public opinion of unions is up and um you know uh, general polling on unions is higher than ever but you know my experience in three decades or more is that um even when a majority of workers particularly in the private sector uh, like Amazon, even when a majority of workers uh, want to form a union, think it's a good idea, are ready to do it. Uh, we have a union busting industry, so employers run a campaign of uh, distortion, fear, um, uh, threats, and there are no real uh, no real consequences for that. I mean, if you if you um, uh, if you're found guilty, so to speak, then you have to run another election. There really is no consequence. So, so I think, uh, you know, one thing that the union's very focused on, the labor movement is very focused on, our community partners are very focused on is, um, is moving the PRO Act, which is the reform of, uh, of the private sector labor law to, um, to make sure employers are held accountable and workers really have um, true democracy when they decide to organize and the employers should not be involved in campaigns. It should be a decision of the workers uh, at that company, and they should determine for themselves whether or not they want to form a union and uh, have the ability to negotiate. So I think, um, uh, you know, I think Amazon just uh, underscores the problem that many of us who've been organizers for a long time have recognized. And it's, uh, it is, um, the bottom line is, is that the system uh, is structured in a way that uh, there's just a tremendous inequality in terms of uh, the, the power and the, uh, the right for workers to, to democratically decide whether or not they want to form a union and bargain with their employer. So we got to keep fighting for that. But we, we at AFSCME, and I know other unions as well, are also um, really uh, looking at other ways to exercise our power to make sure 
our members help unorganized workers join us and have the opportunity to join us because it makes us all stronger. So, uh, so for instance, I mentioned the Hillsborough Library in Oregon. Um, you know, those workers weren't forced to go through a process like that that uh, uh, forced them to jump through hoops for months and months. Um, uh, our uh, the Ask Me affiliate there, Council 75, partnered with the community and uh, and got the library board to to recognize uh, the union. Um, the same thing in the Philadelphia Museum of Art. You know, we had political leadership on that board, um, so uh, they hired uh, a union busting attorney, and um, uh, you know, uh, the workers forced them to back off and not run the kind of campaign we would traditionally see. So, um, so it's important that we make those connections and um, and support unorganized workers, particularly ASME members who are uh, hopefully listening to this uh, to this podcast, um, you know, we got to stand up for those workers. If you work for the city or the county, um, those those contracted workers who probably are uh, unorganized have to have the right to join us so we can all lift standards together instead of have a race to the bottom. So um, uh, so that's important. I don't know if I answered your question. but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I actually saw an article today about the Amazon, and it it's talking about basically how worker turnover is a huge weapon that Amazon uses because once you can't form a committee, right, if they all are gone within a few months, right, you're constantly having to kind of start over. So I think that definitely played a huge role in it, and you know, hopefully, we can all kind of collectively learn from that situation because you know i think obviously everybody deserves a union but the amazon workers have been fighting for a very long time so hopefully they can kind of break through and um and get that so well and you think about i mean you you when you think about um that dynamic the high turnover uh, how how that makes it difficult for workers to organize um it really is our economy now and you you know you think about uh, if you're not a uh, organized worker, if you don't have a union, if you don't have a contract and you don't like the way things are going, you have two options. You can take it or you can quit and go try and find a better job. And there's, you know, our economy is just too much of that right now where folks are always going to different jobs to try and find something better. Uh, and the standards are not, you know, what they were 40 years ago when, um, you know, when we had uh the right to organize and when we had um folks stayed at a company because you could retire from there because you could afford to buy a house because you could afford to take care of your family you know and um uh, so yes and amazon is such a key piece of that because they're such a big part of the economy um uh, we had asked me our um our you know in coalition through the afl-cio uh supporting the unions who are you know engaged with amazon workers and uh trying to help them organized so you know we're all in we had um uh we had organizing staff help with the bessemer uh alabama campaign help make calls and, and try and support the campaign so uh we think it's important even though those workers you know are not so to speak in the jurisdiction of ask me we're all in this together and we're really supporting that effort yeah and you know all of these kind of stories that are happening right now i think we are definitely seeing a major point and like the labor movement and labor history, because you know, I don't know, I may not be old enough, but I in my lifetime haven't really seen something like this happen where people are just like, I'm I'm over it, I'm walking off the job. You see a lot of companies who are now putting 
their hourly rate on the window trying to get people to come in some of them have very weird like they're trying to they're offering weird things to try to get people to come in like cell phones and stuff it's very strange but do you think that this is kind of like a late a major turning point in labor history and like what can we learn from what's happening right now i think it can be um i i think there's certainly you know energy and you know a higher um a higher level of agitation workers are fed up you know and they're not just mm -hmm. going to work for anything and just take it so i think the the challenge is how do we bring focus to that um and how do we organize it in a way that you know we make long systemic change in this country and um you know i, I think it's an incredible sign what we saw happen in georgia the last uh the last election uh mm -hmm. i think continue and and that's why you see the reaction from the right uh trying to suppress voter uh voter rights across this country you know and i think we gotta uh continue to organize to fight back against that and and, and build power on that so uh so the answer to your question is yes i think it's a very different time in this country i think it's a huge opportunity i think it remains to be seen uh whether or not we take full advantage of that opportunity but uh, I can assure you that AFSCME is doing everything we can with our, you know, 1.3 million members and resources to support uh, that kind of organizing and, you know, continue to uh, continue to build uh, strength for the working class across this country. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I yeah, I hope this this trend continues and we can and build on that and you know organize more people. Um, so I'm like my last question to you, and, and I don't know if you can actually answer this, but if somebody does want to organize, hopefully with Ask Me, um, like specifically with Ask Me, how would you, how would you recommend they go about doing that? Um, well, if they're uh, if they're interested in organizing, they should go to AskMe.org, um, and there's uh, there's a button I want to join. And uh, they can, you know, they can fill out the form there online, and then we will make sure that we connect them uh, to the appropriate um, to the appropriate council um, or you know state level organization or local to support them. But um, uh, I think you know we have to be strategic about uh, how we go about this. So. That really would be my advice uh, to workers who, if workers are listening to this and they're ready to organize, to to do that, to talk to an organizer before you uh, before you go any further, because we really need to. We know employers are going to resist, um, uh, and I think you know folks just know that uh, as an instinct that if you talk about the union and some in, at some workplaces, there's going to be a bad reaction to it, right? So. Um, so we got to have a plan and we've got to really, really mm -hmm. think through uh, who works there, who the leadership are, what the issues are, how we build our organization before, uh, you know, before there's a full public campaign. So that would be uh, that would be my uh, advice. And I think, um, you know, workers there in the L.A. area uh, can reach directly out to Council 36, uh, uh, I'm sure. But also uh, the ASPE website is a place where you can make sure you get a contact if you if you sign up. Yep, so hopefully any workers out there listening, take that advice. <laughs> yeah, so thank you for joining me. I really enjoyed this, this conversation and I hope that we can absolutely continue this trend of organizing and being more united in the workplace and making sure that it is 
safe for everybody and benefits people so that people aren't struggling anymore, right? Nobody wants to do that anymore. So thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time to join me. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate, appreciate you having me and uh, keep up the great work. Thank you so much for joining me today on episode 10. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Hopefully we can inspire more people to fight for their workplaces and better their workplaces by joining and forming a union in their workplaces. And if you are currently in a fight to organize, keep up the hard work. We know it can be difficult, but keep it up because in the end, it'll work out and things will get better. All right, everybody, I will see you next time.